IT department. Parshas Vayigash begins with the dramatic confrontation between Yehuda and Yosef. Vayigash, a love Yehuda. Yehuda approached Yosef, uh, of course, not knowing that it is Yosef, and he began with a kind of uh, a plea with tough talk at the same time as well, a rich in diplomatic double entendres in which he on the surface was conciliatory and pleading, but beneath it was a threat and a sense of determination to not allow this uh, family to be further exploited and uh, really victimized by this uh, um, malicious or malevolent uh, viceroy. But actually I want to fast forward to the revelation in which Yosef reveals himself to his brothers and when he does so, I want you to please look with me and chapter 45, verse 3, Perak Gimel. He's now revealing himself to his brothers. He's uh, coming forth forward with his identity. Ani Yosef. Ha'od avichai, those are the first words that he says. I am Yosef, is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer the question even because they were dumbfounded, they were bewildered. So the Mephoshim deal with the obvious question here. The question which is obvious is that, of course, Yosef is interested to know about his father's well-being. Probably that was on his mind for the past decades. And especially once he met his brothers and he, as we said last week, began to realize that the fulfillment of his prophetic dreams was now underway. Of course, he's thinking about his father all the time. And probably at the, at the surface level, he may have just blurted it out um, unconsciously you know, without, without giving the matter proper thought, because logically, it's not a sensible question. He asked that question to the brothers earlier, that is to say, uh, only a short while before. When they came to Egypt the second time, when they brought Benjamin with them, when he had held Shimon captive, and then he released him as a hostage, that is to say, because they did bring Benjamin and he had a chance to see him, and he uh, sent them on their way. And at that time, of course, he asked them about their father, their elderly father. They went home, or they went towards home. They didn't get very far, as we know, at the end of last week's partnership. And they were apprehended. Benjamin was cruelly framed as a thief and uh, had no opportunity. The point is that when they said, talked about their father previously, there was no possibility of any kind of status update. They didn't check on Facebook. Well, I'm saying it's because that thing. Just whoever has a microphone on could maybe turn it off because. Uh, it's easier to understand the show that way. Thank you. So the uh, the question is, what logic underlies the question, is my father still alive? They had no further opportunity for any additional updated information relative to what they had told them probably only a few hours before. 
So a number of, of answers are advanced. As I said, probably the simple answer is Hitaka didn't think about it. And indeed, he didn't give it rational thought. It was just an instinctive question. It was on his mind so much. But uh, Ralbag uh, is quoted by my friend for the year, of course, our subject that we've been studying uh, since Bereshis, uh, Ksava Kabbalah. So he quotes Ralbag. Ralbag was a relative, possibly descendant of Ramban. His name was Rabbi Levi ben Gershon, and he lived in, uh, in Spain in the uh, 13th, uh, actually in the early 14th century. And uh, he's known as Gersonides uh, to the scholars. So Ralbag says, that Yosef, of course, he knew that they told him <clears throat> about their father. And Yehuda's petition also said, Vazavas Aviva Mace, that if Benjamin is taken from his father, that he will die, the father will die, etc. They were definitely playing to Joseph on the his sympathies vis-a-vis -vis his father. But he suspected maybe it was all a ruse. Maybe the father had died whether recently or a long time before, but they didn't want to disclose that because that was a card that they were playing to play on his sympathy. And as we just mentioned right now, when Yehuda made his petition, so he made uh, reference repeatedly to his father. Uh, if you just look at the, the previous few verses, he said repeatedly, our father, our father, and we don't want to... to uh, uh, if Benjamin is held as a slave, as a captive, then he won't cope. Then he will die. The elderly father will die, etc. Says Rabag, Yosef was uh, concerned, suspicious that maybe that was all the ruse. Maybe, in fact, he wasn't alive at all. So therefore, now that he's revealed himself, he wants to know, is my father really alive? Then Ksama Kabbalah says something else as well. And I'd like to develop that a little bit further. He says that this word ha'od avichai, the hey, ha'od, so that that letter hey, uh, like turns a declaration or a statement, an assertion into a question. Ha'od avichai is a question. Does my father still live? But it can, it becomes inter, uh, interrogative. I'm not very good with that one. But it could also be what's called ha'hey ha'tema, a hay of bewilderment, of wonderment. He possibly wasn't really asking. He was expressing his astonishment. Can my father still be alive? Is it still possible that my father is alive after all that has befallen him, after all of his suffering, after all of his anxiety, and most of all, after the presumed death of his beloved son, is he still alive? So Yosef wasn't so much asking the question as expressing his uh, uh, astonishment at how his father could still be alive. And possibly he was also worried, what is he like? Has he plunged? Has he been plunged into terminal depression? Does he still have his spirit with him? I would like to elaborate a bit further on this as well. Xavier Kabbalah just says those two points, but I'd like to elaborate on the second one that Yosef was expressing astonishment. Could my father still be alive? The Beis HaLevi, the famous uh, Rabbi Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, the, the uh, uh, grandfather, I believe, of Chaim Soloveitchik, Chaim Brisker, asks the following question. 
he says that uh, he quotes the Medrash, which says that when the brothers heard Yosef reveal himself, they were completely nonplussed. They were dumbfounded. They couldn't answer. They retreated in absolute uh, uh, horror. And the Medrash says they did so because they were confronted by their transgression. And I don't want to go into the whole Medrash. I want to be brief because we want to have other things to get onto as well. But the Medrash says that this, these words of Yosef were a most devastating rebuke. And he asks, where do we see the words of rebuke? It is true that they were forced to recall their transgression from so many years before. That's true. But we don't find in anything that Joseph said to them words of rebuke. On the contrary, uh, when he saw how dismayed they were, he comforted them and he said, it wasn't you who sent me here. It was God. It was part of God's plan. Where do we see the rebuke? Says Abes Halevi, the rebuke is in those initial words. Yosef, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? Now, if you think back to what Yehuda said to Yosef, not knowing who he was, of course, he spoke about Benjamin. He spoke about the father of Benjamin, who, who this man, this Egyptian viceroy, for whatever the reason, was inquiring about. And they, Yehuda, speaking on behalf of the brothers, said, how concerned we are for the father's well-being. We don't want any misfortune, any mishap, any misadventure to befall Binyamin because he's the youngest and the father loves him. And if he doesn't come back with us to Egypt, then he may die. The elderly father may die of despair. Says Yosef, if you are so solicitous of your father's feelings and sensitivities, about Benjamin, where was your concern when you sold me into slavery? That is the implied question. Ha'od avichai, does my father still live after what you've done to me? Now you're saying how concerned you are that he should not, the father should not come to harm of despair or depression or who knows what because of the loss of Benjamin. But what about when you actively and deliberately and malevolently sold me into slavery and pretended that I was killed? You weren't concerned at that time. That is the devastating critique. And that's why the Medrash says that uh, after 120 years, when we are uh, confronted by our life, when we are given the, uh, I would say, um, compulsory opportunity to see a videotape of our experience in this life. And it's going to have a title called This Is Your Life. And nothing is going to be absent on that uh, recording. How, I'm just dramatizing it a bit, how will we feel at that time? That's what the Medrash says. And the proof text is from the brothers and Yosef, says about Yosef, this is why it was so compelling. Because he was uh, forcing them to recognize that when it suited them, then they were they demonstrated such solicitude for their father vis-a-vis -vis his loss of his beloved son. 
but when it suited them differently, they demonstrated not the least concern about that issue altogether. That's what the Beisosif says. And it is, as I say, uh, along the lines, but extending this thought that Yosef's question was really not so much a question seeking an answer, but it was a rebuke or it was an exclamation. It was an expression of astonishment. How could my father still be alive? Is it possible that he is still alive? Okay, I'd like to turn now to a further uh, passage uh, in the parsha uh, along the same storyline, but after Yosef has comforted his brothers and after he has instructed them to return quickly to their father. And I'd like to point out in verse 19, so it's later on in the same chapter, 45, verse 19. If you've got the stone, Chumash, turn one page. And here we have the following words. Now, these words are actually from Paro. If you look in Posuk Yud Zayin, Vayoma Paro el Yosef. Paro said to Yosef, uh, Tell your brothers they should load up their animals with provisions, they should head back to Canaan, and uh, then they should come to Egypt, they will be guests of the crown. Now look at Pasigutas Vata Suvesa Zos Asu. This is what you are commanded. Ata you, Suvesa, you are commanded. Zos Asu, this is what you shall do. Take from Egypt wagons for your children. In other words, the wagons were sent to Canaan to transport Yaakov and the whole household down to Egypt. So uh, Yaakov has a large entourage. And in order to facilitate their journey, Paro says, let's say, uh, you know, like send a limo for them. I'm going to uh, ensure that they come down to Egypt in style. Great. The interesting thing is, though, that when we look a few verses later, we have a very famous comment of Rashi. Take a look at Pasuk Chaf Zayin. So the brothers come to uh, Canaan. They tell their father that, oh, Yosef Chai, Joseph is still living, and he's even the ruler of all of Egypt. His heart skipped a beat. He didn't believe them. Then they spoke to him further. And then it says, He saw the wagons. So that Yosef had sent to transport him and the whole family. And the spirit of Yaakov, their brother, was revived. Which might mean that Ruach HaKodesh came back to him. It clearly means that he, he had like a, a new lease on life. And he was evidently convinced by something that happened or something that's described in verse 27. Well, the only thing that's really mentioned other than Divra Yosef it says he saw the wagons that Yosef sent. Then he was inspired. What's so important about the wagons? So we explained already from a practical standpoint, it was useful. It was perhaps an expression of, of honor, of high regard. Very nice. But why did that convince Yaakov that Yosef really is alive? So Rashi has a famous comment in which he says that the Torah here is using or at least the rabbis are seeing in the word agalot, a hint, I would say even a pun. 
because when ya so, so says Rashi from Chazal that when Yaakov sent Yosef all those years before to Shechem to look after his brothers, he escorted him. He like uh, accompanied him along the way a certain distance. And at that time, they were learning about the laws of Egla Arufa. The details of that are not so important for us for right now. But the point is, Egla Arufa is a, a uh, an Egla is a calf, like an Egel, an Egla is a calf. Arufa means it's uh, decapitated, and it has to do in a kind of um, indirect way with the responsibility of not sending someone on his way without provision. Again, the details are not so important for us. What concerns me is how Rashi can say that these wagons were like uh, uh, so beneficial that they were such a source of encouragement to the point that Yaakov's spirit was revived when he saw the wagons that Yosef had sent, when we have already seen, my friends, in Pesach in verse 19, that it was Paro who sent them. And this is something which is explicit in the text because we've seen that Paro instructed Yosef to send the wagons. Now, it's true that a few verses later, it says the wagons that Yosef sent. And it could well be that Yaakov didn't know who authorized the wagons or who encouraged. And as far as Yaakov is concerned, they were sent by Yosef. But what justification is there for this elegant drash that Yosef sent the wagons deliberately in order to hint to his father, I remember the subject in Torah that we were discussing all those years before, in order to give his father the assurance that he, Yosef, is still righteous because he remembers their learning from so many years ago. If, in fact, the impetus came from Paro, this is a famous question, and uh, there's a partial answer in Rashbam, but Rav Yaakov Tzvi Mecklenburg has a brilliant, beautiful answer, which I want to share with you. It's all point of the year, isn't it? To ask a Kashan Rashi, that for that, we can ask, uh, we don't need uh, Ksava Kabbalah to ask the question, but to provide a beautiful answer. So listen, he says that, and by the way, on Shabbos, we're going, at Kesha, we're going to look more closely at this question of the symbolism of the wagons and what's the meaning of it and, and all of that. But that's for Shabbos. For now, I want to tell you where Yaakov Tzvi, Rav Yaakov Tzvi Mecklenburg sees the indication that it was really Yosef who instigated the wagons. And he explains the following. Take a close look. At the Hebrew, if you look at the English, you're going to miss it entirely. God, you must look in the Hebrew, and you have been commanded, this what you shall do. There is a hey at the end of that word. You have been commanded. Now, that hey is not necessary for the grammar or for the pronunciation or for the syntax or for anything. The word would be even without the hey. Because uh, that's that's just the, the grammar of it. Suvesa is that the kamats is for a male. If it were for a, a female, then it would have said va'at suves. But because he's a man, so it says va'atat suvesa. But there is a hey. Says Rav Yaakovsky Mecklenburg, that hey that appears in, in a number of other verses, a number of other instances as well. He says when the letter hey is added to a verb, it indicates that the action is carried out 
with enthusiasm and with desire. With desire and with, with like willingness. For example, we find, it gives a few instances, but we find in the case of Lot, Lot was in Sodom and he welcomed those visitors. They were angels. And the people of Sodom were threatening him with harm. And he opened the door and he said to the baying mob, I've got two daughters who are virgins. Uh, let me give them to you and you can do with them as you like. Just don't hurt my guests. Okay, uh, completely um, uh, debased on his part. But he says, Otsia na. He could have just said Otsi. He really should have said Otsi. Why does he have to say Otsia na? Because the A indicates his willingness, his eagerness to do it. Shilcha Hanar Iti, Yehuda said in last week's parasha to his father, Shilcha Hanar Iti. He could have just said, Shalach, send. Shilcha, the hey at the end means, I'm eager to do it because Yehuda wanted to be sure they didn't starve. And he knew that he could only go down to Egypt and could only have a chance of buying provisions if Benjamin was with them. So he said, Shilcha, not Shalach, Shilcha Hanar Iti. Uh, it says in uh, Parshish Pinchas, um, Hashem says to Moshe, Vitzivisa osole enehem, and you will command him, that is to say, Yehoshua, in the full view of the Jewish people, he will be your successor. It says, Vitzivisa with a hey. Says Ksava Kabbalah, the hey at the end of the verb indicates that the action is done with enthusiasm, with eagerness, with desire. So here it says, it means that Paro is instructing it, but he is responding to the initiative of Yosef. It was Yosef's idea, but Yosef needed to petition Paro. Once he petitioned Paro, so Paro instructed him accordingly, and the hay at the end indicates that it was the idea of Yosef. It was Yosef who was desirous of sending the wagons. Why? What's the big deal about the wagons? I mean, uh, why are wagons such a, uh, like a sensitive issue that it requires the instruction of Paro? If Yosef wanted to do it, he could do it on his own. After all, he's the viceroy. The answer is, says Xava Kabbalah, that wagons were restricted because they wanted to avoid people coming to Mitzrayim, buying wagon loads of grain uh, for stockpiling purposes or for resale. They wanted to regulate the sale. It's like they had rationing uh, uh, during the war and for many years after, certain things were rationed. Uh, even in our own very recent memory, I think Ruthie said uh, during the early lockdown era, she wanted to buy some pasta or something, uh, you know, some uh, sensitive product like that. And she had too many and the checkout girl said, put them back. The wagons, the restriction on the wagons meant that if you want to come to buy grain, you can bring pack animals, but don't bring a wagon load, which you can take so much more that wasn't allowed. Therefore, he needed a special export permit in order to take to use the wagons. So Paro instructed him to send the wagons, but the hay at the end, Advatat Suvesa, indicates it was Yosef's idea. And that's why when it says later on, which we've seen already, that uh, 
it says that Yaakov saw the wagons that Yosef sent because it was Yosef's initiative to send it. But he needed the permission, he needed the uh, imprimatur of the king of Paro, but it was at Yosef's initiative. I think this is a beautiful explanation and resolution. And as I said, I have seen other um, people who address this question. I think this is a very felicitous explanation. Now, I've got, we have a bit of time still for a third uh, comment. And this is the, uh, what we're gonna say now is the source of the title of today's shir for those who uh, pay attention to such things. Excuse me, which I hope you do. Joseph's hand upon your eyes. So just a few verses later, when the family of Yaakov are on their way down to Egypt. So it's chapter 46, verse 19. It's, um, no, uh, 14. Nope. Uh, it's chapter 46, verse 4. So, Yaakov is on his way with the family to Mitzrayim, and Hashem appears to him at Beersheba, and he says, Yaakov, Yaakov, Yemahineni. And this is a prophetic encounter in which Hashem speaks to Yaakov. Don't fear about going down to Egypt. I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt and I will bring you up again as well. Okay, it means only after his death. He means he'll be buried in the land of Canaan, but even that was a comfort for him. Then here are the intriguing and, and I think mysterious words. Joseph will place his hands upon your eyes. What is this? Is the significance of that? I have to say, I always wondered, I always felt there's more to this expression than I understand. So the simple level, it means that you will not uh, suffer the tragedy of Yosef predeceasing you, that you will die, you know, at a, at a ripe old age, and your son Yosef will be there to attend to your, to your last uh, days, and, and even, let's say, the burial arrangements, which actually he does. We'll learn about more about that in next week's, in next week's Parsha. But there's much more to it. What is the meaning of placing his hand upon your eyes? So Ksava Kabbalah explains it, I think, very beautifully. He says, this is a, uh, like a pitgam or an, an aphorism that refers, it's a, it's a figure of speech that refers to a person who is trying to bring joy to his friend. He's trying to buoy his spirits. He's trying to bring him like uh, um, tranquility when he is troubled. He's troubled because he anticipates misfortune that is on its way. That is to say, he's worried about the future, maybe with good reason. To put your hands on that person's eyes is to say, don't focus on what is ahead of you. Just 
enjoy today. He will cause you to not foresee, to not be troubled by what is coming. Because Yaakov was troubled. The fact that Hashem said, Al tirai Yaakov, don't be afraid, implies that he was afraid. And why was he afraid? My friends, for very good reason. Because Yaakov knew that this was the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy to his grandfather, Avraham, at the Brisbane Abbasarim, in which Avraham was told, Yadoa teda ki ger yezar echa lo lahem. Your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land and they will be oppressed and they will be persecuted for 400 years. Yaakov realized that this is now the fulfillment of that. This is the beginning of the fulfillment of that. Maybe the beginning was even earlier, but he knew that now that is what's coming. He's going with the whole family to Egypt. This is the foreign land. And even though right now things are wonderful or he's expecting them to be very uh, uh, pleasing, which they were, but that's now. What about tomorrow? And if it says by Avraham, that Avraham was uh, traumatized by the vision of what will happen in 400 years, or rather what will happen yeah, in, in the future, future generations, then Yaakov all the more so. If Avraham was troubled by a, a vision for the distant future, Yaakov, of course, is troubled by a vision about something which is now unfolding before him in his own lifetime. Therefore, Hashem said, you know what? The joy of seeing Yosef, the, the sense of relief, the sense of the pleasure in meeting his wife and his children, your grandchildren you didn't even know came into the world. That pleasure, that satisfaction will cause you to not be worried about what will come in the future. Yosef Yashis Yado Al Einecha, that meeting Yosef, seeing Yosef and his family will have the effect that you won't be worried, you won't be held back, you won't be troubled. I think there's a very important message here. Because indeed the Torah says, Vechi Yaakov, Yisrael, that Yaakov lived, that is to say, the best years of his life were the 17 years in Israel. It's true that after Yaakov died, or more correctly, after his children died, after that, then the persecution and the bondage indeed arrived. But the ability to appreciate what you have rather than being troubled or or consumed with anxiety over what will be in the future that's an important principle now without saying you know i'm not trying to say that person should never be concerned about the future one has to also take measures to avert misfortune which is on its way of course but where as in the case of Yaakov, there was such a prophecy. Hashem says that the joy of Yosef, the joy of today will overshadow the anxiety about tomorrow. Uh, it just mentions another further remez to this. He says that Einecha, your eyes could also be a remez to, to Aniecha, that Yosef's, excuse me, the pleasure of seeing Yosef will obscure, will overshadow your poverty, that is to say, excuse me, your inui, your affliction, and the 
like it says, Va'avdum ve'inu asam, they will afflict them uh, in, in the prophecy. But the pleasure of Yosef, the joy of today will cast into the shadows or cast into the, the future will, will sort of uh, avert your gaze from the misfortune that may lie ahead uh, in the future. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Just to summarize or to, to recap as we like to do, uh, we said that uh, it may have been a genuine question because he wanted to be sure it wasn't just a ruse what they were telling him before. But perhaps maybe more compelling is to suggest that it was an exclamation of amazement. Is it possible our father is still alive? In which case we can understand why the Medrash says that these were words of severe rebuke because he was saying to them, you're so concerned about my father or your father, our father now, but you weren't concerned about when you sold me into slavery, you had no uh, thought evidently for our father's mis uh, uh, grief and despair as a result at that time. We also said about that he saw the, the Agalot, and we said, yeah, but really it was Paro who sent them. What did it have to do with Yosef? The answer is the Torah is hinting that it did have a lot to do with Yosef, had everything to do with Yosef, that Yosef had uh, appealed or had applied, if you like, for an export permit to make use of the wagons. And therefore, Yaakov, it's legitimate to say when Yaakov saw the wagons that Yosef had sent, it was his uh, like um, uh, advocacy that had persuaded Paro to or sort of prompted Paro to instruct him to send Agala. And finally, Yosef, uh, Joseph's hand upon your eyes, his hand upon your eyes means you won't see into the, you won't be weighed down with what's coming in the future. You'll enjoy the uh, reunification uh, with Yosef and his family uh, for now. So thank you again and uh, wish everybody Shabbat Shalom. And we look forward to uh, hopefully learning more uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. And um, so Shabbat Shalom. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom. Good to see you, Carl. Wow. Over Zoom. When you see, when you see somebody, Dachiano over Zoom. <laughs> if you see somebody they haven't seen in thirty days, uh, that's rough. a good question. Actually, the post came uh, speak about about that sort of thing. If you know someone is alive, then you don't make the bracha. Um, you know, in earlier times when there was no, uh, in many cases there was no external confirmation that a person is alive and when you would see him you would say maybe even as well um, but uh, nowadays we tend to have better communications in that so still okay. it's, it's nice to uh, to see everyone okay what are you speaking about on Shabbos on Shabbos we're speaking about uh, <laughs> it's in the newsletter <laughs> okay, thank you. Lara Tavlukulam. Okay, Kishamis. Thank you, Kishamis.